Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, please? Daniel chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to continue our study on being bold as lions. How many of you remember what Proverbs uh, chapter 28, verse 1 says? It says, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. But the righteous do what? They're as bold as lions. Who's chasing who? Who's the, who's the predator? Think about it. If you're a person of faith, you should not be running. Hello? I'll never forget this. I, I remember when I was a kid, I think I was about six or seven. Casper the Friendly Ghost just came out, that cartoon. My dad dressed me up. We had a Chevy Nova. It was, it was awesome, man. That car was cool. He called it, he called it uh, Babs. That, you gave cars girl names, you know. And, and we were going off to, to go, uh, I'm not advocating it, but trick-or-treating, okay? And so I'm dressed up as Casper, and my brother's dressed up as a clown or something. And, and we're, we're, we're on Highway 6 going into my hometown, and uh, this big old giant buck. Now, if this would have happened today... This would be way better than any candy I've ever seen in my entire life. But this big old giant buck jumped out in front of my dad's Chevy Nova and smack. I mean, my dad nailed that buck. It was, and I remember as a kid, I'm, I'm in the back seat, and I remember that buck coming up over the top of the Chevy Nova, and I remember it had, I mean, it had a rack like nobody's business. And it looked more like a monster than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I remember the sound it made. It went, ah, ah. You didn't ask for that this morning, I know. But you're awake now. And I remember that once my dad hit it, I thought, man, that thing is goner. And you know what it did? It jumped right up and ran. This, this blows me away because some of the biggest bucks in the kingdom of God, they get hit just one time and they run. We have a hit-and-run theology in the church that if you get hit by something, oh, that's it, i got to quit. Listen, you're going to get hit. Listen, God's son got hit. Who, who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? You're going to get hit. Life's going to deal you some blows, man. And you've got to understand that when the blows come, you've got to be willing to stay put. Stay where you are. Don't try to leap out of your situation. Stay in the situation and trust your God, come on, trust your God to do more through you by faith and change your circumstances. That, that's the story I want to talk about today because it's deep. There's some parts of the deep, and I'm going to try to keep it, keep it short, but there's some parts of this that are deep because here's three Hebrew slaves who get hit by the culture that is around them. I mean, absolutely smacked in the face by the culture around them. And, and before you start thinking, well, this isn't Babylon, and my name isn't Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, understand this. You are going through the same things in these last days that they were facing. And you're going to see that in just a moment. In the text, they are still, listen, they're still facing the same old devil spirit that you face today. It hadn't changed. His bag of tricks aren't any different. So you're facing the same stuff that they did. But here's what's cool. They didn't run. 
They weren't afraid. When the heat got turned up, when they got hit by life, they stayed. And not only did they stay, the Bible says that there was a fourth man in the furnace with them. And it was God with them the entire time. Hallelujah, man. Praise God. Come on, let's get in the text here. I'm getting excited. Daniel 3.10, it says, Your majesty has issued a decree. Now, here's the king. He tells his peeps, go tell everybody you're going to worship this way through a decree. He says that everyone who hears the sound, and I want you to count these instruments here, okay? The sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and the pipe. How many is that? How many is that? That's six. And then, then they set up a statue, right? They're supposed to worship this statue. And the Bible says this, it says, whenever you hear that, you fall down and you worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. You see, the enemy is saying this, if you won't, if you won't worship the God that I put in front of you, if you won't worship the idol that I put in front of you, then I'm going to turn up the heat on you. Plain and simple. You, listen, Christianity doesn't give you a get out of heat free card. The more you serve God, the more the heat's going to turn up. But I want you to notice this here. In the King James Bible, it's very important. For your notes, you might want to write this down. It says that the statue is so many cubits high. How many? Anybody know? 60 cubits high. And how many wide? Six wide. How many instruments? And I wonder if you can see that the same spirit of the Antichrist has been in this world all along. Although he may manifest bodily later, we know that this, this enemy has been present in our society from the beginning. And his desire is to get your worship. You will worship something. You were designed and built for worship. You're not going to go through life and say, well, I'm not going to worship it. You will. You will worship something. Give your worship to the Lord. Give your worship to God. Come on, give God some praise. <laughs> I w man, I wonder if you're ready. This is, mm, hallelujah. I want to talk to you about these guys, because we don't, we don't get their names right. And, and there's some things that I think we can teach in this that will help us understand. You see... We're, we, we're used to calling him Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that was the identity the enemy gave them. We even teach our kids, that's their names. That's not their names. Have you ever stopped and looked at that for a minute? You say, well, that's a cute little story, you know. That's an awesome, that's an awesome little story. It's kind, of, it's kind of like, we've got our own in, our, in this church, don't we? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I call them Caleb, Nathan, and Micah. They're awesome, aren't they? I think they are. We think that's their names, but that's not really their names. Listen, their names are this. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first thing the devil wants to do to destroy your life is change your identity. We even say things like this. 
And we're going to hear about this in just a little bit. And listen, come see me later. If you're confused by this, don't be. Don't, just because you've heard something in the world and it sounds like it's Christian or godly, don't accept it. Go to God's Word. You see, even when I first got saved and I was dealing with addiction in my life, I never confessed I was an addict. Oh, it's so quiet in here right now. What do we do with this right now? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old things are passed away. I never got up and said I'm an alcoholic. That's an interesting ringtone. That's right on spot. I'm a believer. Well, what do I believe in? I confess that, listen, Jesus Christ has changed my life. Do I see all of these things in the natural yet? No. But I, my confession is what God has said. Not what the enemy calls me. The enemy, would call, the enemy would call you a food addict. The enemy would call you a manic depressive. The enemy would call, come on church, are you awake this morning? These are things we've got, listen, we've got to bind this type of attitude that walks around and says, listen, this circular, self-defeating, self-fulfilling prophecy that we say over ourselves isn't biblical. I'm not Shadrach. I'm Hananiah. I'm not Meshach. I'm Mishael. I'm not Abednego. I'm Azariah. Ooh, baby. You picking this up? Let me tell you what these names mean. Because before you go confessing something over your life that isn't biblical, maybe you want to believe this. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Right? If Jesus promised that, I'm not going to walk around calling myself a name of bondage. Let's get back to the Bible. And let's kill this psychobabble. Dr. Phil Oprah stuff, man. Don't you pick up the Bible and read it? Self-help? There is no self-help. There's God help or nothing. And Jesus ain't your crutch. He's a stretcher. You're not getting to heaven any other way. He is the power. That's what I confess. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm free. I'm walking in freedom. Okay, I better preach. Some of you are like, get to it, get to it, get to it. You see, the enemy wants to change your identity by a new name, a new confession. Here's, here's what their, their names mean. Hananiah means God is gracious. Grace doesn't just mean that God says, hey, listen, I'm going to deal with your sin and I'm going to see righteousness. Grace means I'm going to empower you to now be righteous and defeat temptation and the enemy in your life the next time it happens. Now, that's not greasy grace. That's, that's uh, good grace, right? And then Mishael, who is like our God? Not who is like me. This isn't a proclamation that I can do it. This isn't a proclamation that I will be able to do it. This is a proclamation that my God can do it. And then Azariah, God is my help. So it's almost like a story that unfolds before our eyes in the Old Testament. We see this story. It's simply this. Watch this. My God is my power. My God is my gracious God. He is powerful in me. And then it's, then it's, who is like my God? And then it's this, 
Even when I'm struggling, my God is my help. That's the right confession. That's the, listen, you're either a believer or you're not. But let me put it to you this way. We're human beings, not human doings. I, I be in Christ what God has called me to be. It's not a process of my do. It's a process of who He's changed me to be from the inside out, not the outside in. You can beat your head up against the wall all you want trying to change you. There's only one person that can fix you. <laughs> Some of you are like, Pastor, I believe that. Good. That's all it's required. That's all it's required. Now here's where their names were changed. Shadrach means, means this. Under the command of Aku. Who was Aku? This was the god of the Babylonians of darkness. The god of night. It was the moon god. So in other words, you're no longer... God is gracious. You're this. You're under the command of darkness. This is why I don't want to confess it. I don't even want to say Shadrach anymore. I want to say Hananiah. Shabadabadoo. <laughs> Yabadabadoo. The next one, Meshach. It means be as Aku is. Be like him. Well, wait a minute. When they changed his name, Watch this. Mishaya, it means this, who is like God. When they changed his name, watch this. Meshach, be like the God of darkness. Let me show you how it comes together, how it's put together. Abednego, this is a different God. The Babylonian, Mesopotamia area. This is a different God. This is the party God. Dun, dun, dun. This is the God of food. This is the God of entertainment. This is the God of alcohol. They had it then. Did you know that? So, it's simply this. His name means slave of the party God. This is the world you live in right now. Be under the command of darkness. Be like darkness. And worship good times. Worship addiction. Worship food, worship drugs, worship alcohol, worship entertainment, and may it consume your life. Too much, too fast? Right on time. This is our culture. And, 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 and watch, you're going to do this whenever we play the music. I don't know why I'm doing a clarinet, you know, it's like, is that like Benny Goodman or something, man? Fiddler on the roof or something like that. I don't know why I'm doing clarinet. Every time you hear this music, worship this way. And worship this idol. And be like this. That's where it starts. Let me go a little bit farther. So you see, it's now what you consume. You remember these, these Hebrew slaves? The first test that they had to pass was they came into the court and they wanted them to eat a certain way. And I'll be the first to tell you, I love Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Ho-Ho's. I'll eat a whole sleeve of Oreos, dude. You know? And then go, why? Why? Just to sleep. But there's, there's something inside of me from time to time where God says, 
you know, it's time for you to have a fast again. Because you've let, you've let food, you've let entertainment, some of these things are amoral, you understand? Not necessarily moral or immoral, they're amoral. They could be immoral, because now they've come to a place where it's gathered your worship. Now it's come to a place where it's taken the place of the love of your God. And it needs to be way down here. It's a means to the end, not the end. And now it's up so high, and it needs to be put down below because it's changing your identity. You're now becoming like the dark world. And you need freedom. You need to remember who you are in Christ. You remember what the Hebrew slaves did. They said, no, we don't need your food. We got our food. They said, well, we'll have a little test after a little bit of a time, and we'll figure out who's better. And at the end, these guys were like... uh, These guys were like Bruce Jenner when he was Bruce Jenner. Come on, hallelujah. Just a joke. Don't write me later. You mentioned Bruce Jenner. Hey, I ate my Wheaties. Did you? These guys were athletic. They had it together. Then the next test came. And this one was a test of of, of worship. We we know that, that they wouldn't follow the other tests. And so now they've got to fall and they've got to worship this idol that was set up. But in their boldness, there was a fire of God that was burning inside of them that was hotter than the fire that they were about to be thrown into. If you can can learn to be so hot for God that you, you burn so on fire for the Lord that when the world out there hits you with whatever heat that's been turned up, let me tell you something. The heat will run from your heat. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. (laughs) So they end up getting thrown into the fire. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you on this matter. In other words, you're not attacking us, you're attacking our God. We're not going to defend ourselves, God will do it. Watch what they say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who, is, who we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So bring it. You feeling froggy? Come on, bring it. And I want you to see this. This is a difficult story. Not because of our point of view. See, our point of view is a little skewed. We know how it ends. They didn't. See, we've got a point of view that says, okay, yeah, they make it out of the fire. There's a fourth man in the fire. We know that it's like the Son of God. We know that it's Jesus. We know that they burned hotter than the fire they were in, so they made it out. So we read the story from that perspective, but that wasn't the perspective they had. The perspective they had was, my purpose in life is to be a consumed sacrifice to my God. And my God is a consuming... And if He wishes, if He wishes my life to end this way, so be it. Now that's hardcore. That's hardcore. But that is what Jesus meant when He said, if anybody follow me, he must pick up his cross. Not as blanket, not as pacifier. <laughs> it's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. 
God would call a man to come and die for him, if need be. This is, this is the point we get to when we really, truly know who our God is and who we truly worship. Let me put it to you another way. Until you're ready to die for something, you haven't truly lived in the first place. You and I need purpose for our life. And the purpose is this. It's not just to party and have a good time. I wish I could tell you that the point of heaven was to make you happy. It's not. It's to make you holy. That is the true gospel. And so my life is purposeful in bringing glory to my God. That's it. So if a fire comes, the fire that's in me is hotter. It's hotter. My desire and my passion for my Lord is hotter than what I'm going through. And if that doesn't bring a miracle for you, I don't know what else will. I want want to take you a little bit farther here because we know what happens in the story, right? Starting to land the plane, but they're bound up before they're thrown into the fire. Now, let me get a little bit, uh, let me get a little bit uh, scientific and nerdy here for you. Okay, let me get white and nerdy. Let me mow my let me mow my lawn with my dress socks on and Crocs on. Come on. You never wear Crocs and dress socks? That rhymes, man. I'm a rapper. The surface of the sun. Oh, here we go. 9,900 degrees Fahrenheit. Actually, below the surface of the sun, it's much hotter. So they measure it in terms of Kelvin because the numbers get too big. But just on the surface, 9,900 degrees. Wow. Somebody say that's hot. All right. So these furnaces that they have in Iran and Iraq, about one quarter of that. A little bit more than one quarter of that. 2,700 degrees. You see, they had oil fields even back then. And they were able to get these oil fields, these pits, to burn so hot. How many of you remember in some of the wars we fought over there, the, the hardest thing for our troops as they're going through is to deal with all the oil fields, that, oil fields that were set on fire. They couldn't put them out. You can't put... Sometimes they just have to be exhausted. They're that hot. So what had happened was is they started up these furnaces, these oil furnaces, and they had burned at like 2,700 degrees. Way past the, the degrees, uh, what it takes to, to melt gold or, or, or silver. And we'll talk about refinement in just a minute. But before they throw them in, they get these big dudes, and they're all dressed in their, their garb. And the Bible even in the King James Version, I think, mentions like leg hose or something like that, which is kind of like, I can't imagine like Andre the Giant wearing pantyhose, but that's what, okay, King James there. Are you still with me or are you, are you done? Some of you are like already done. I'm done. So these dudes come along, these big burly dudes come along and they bind them. Say bind. This is the end game of the devil. He says, I'm going to have you so enslaved, and it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to have you obeying a false god. I'm going to have you come, become like that false god. I'm going to change your identity. But in the end, that last one, Abednego, I'm going to make you a slave to this idol and bind you. Praise God in the New Testament. Jesus teaches us 
that the church has the power to bind and loose. That's another sermon. It's a good one, though. So they, they bind up their wrists, they bind up their hands, they bind up their arms, and they go to throw them into the furnace. And the furnace is so hot that the dudes, now this is good. You know where this is going, right? You say, no, Pastor, I, 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 you're the one preaching. The enemy that throws them in gets consumed. Oh, I think there's another story in the Bible that's just like that, but this time it isn't fire, it's water. You see, what's in front of you isn't going to destroy you. What's in front of you and what you're going through is really just to prepare you to be saved and destroy the enemy that pursues you. Called the Red Sea. You don't remember that story? Well, we see it from the same perspective. We know they made it through and it destroyed the Egyptian army. But they didn't know that. They didn't know it until Moses. Whenever I think of Moses, I think of old Charlton Heston. <laughs> Moses and the Israel. You know, I mean, Chuck, you know, and who, uh, uh, who was the bald guy? Yule Brenner. Oh, yeah, Yule Brenner, dude, man. Come on, P- PJ. Yule Brenner, he, this is, he'd turn around like this and he'd go. All bald-headed. He'd, Moses and the Israel. I mean, he was cool, man. Just had to do that. Free. <laughs> these, these big burly guys who represent the enemy that binds up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are burned up by the fire that was set for the kids that they throw it in. Can you see that what you're going through in the heat of what you're going through? <laughs> God set the fire for the enemy. That's throwing you in. You don't see that now, but you will. Here's what's really, really cool. Say really, really cool. They get into the fire, and the Bible says in the book of Daniel that what had bound them burned off of them. But nothing else burned. The only thing that was burned in that fire was what the enemy put on them in the first place. And this is the God you serve. This is the God that wants to show Himself as the one true God. This is the God that you've given your heart and your life to. Who has not promised you a life that's trouble free. But has said this, In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We know that, uh, I don't know, a million pastors have preached this part right here, but we know that silver's refined when the silversmith that lights the fire and that melts the silver can now look into the silver and all of the impurities have risen to the top and it's, the dross has been brought away and they can look into the silver and see the reflection of their own face. And the only reason why God allows the heat to be turned up is to bring out the same character in you that is in His Son, Jesus Christ. He hasn't, 
He hasn't allowed it to destroy you, but to destroy the enemy and to destroy the bonds that the enemy has put on you. And so that he could see the image of his son, Jesus Christ, in you. It's the only reason why. It's the only reason why. So we need people in the fire. We do. You know, we get a fourth man in this story. We don't, we don't, get, a, we don't get a second person in Daniel's story in the lion's den. We just get Daniel. We just get an angel that comes. We get the lion's mouths are stopped. But we don't get the fourth man. You see, in this story, we get the fourth man. I don't know, maybe it's because in the New Testament, it tells us something like this. If there be any two or three gathered in my... There I am in the midst of them. I need somebody in the fire. I need you. You need me too. Maybe it's in the New Testament where it says that if any two or more of you agree on any one thing, it would be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Why does God interest Himself in agreement? Why does God want us to find one another in the flames and in the heat? Maybe it's because your God is a trinity. Maybe it's because your God's character of love between the Son, the Father, and the Spirit is the same character of love He's looking to build in you and deny. And then Pastor has some dumb dinner called Hogaluya. Thank you. And it rains. And then you say, well, I'm going to go to La Charita. It's closed on Sundays. Closed. The communion and agreement and bonding of the saints is what invites God in the midst of what we're going through. So you need two other people in your life. Lastly, for your notes, it's this. You need somebody that'll pull on you. And you need somebody that'll push on you. Say, Pastor, you're a pusher. You don't want to say that. I am a pusher. I used to push drugs. I did. I was a drug dealer. Now I'm a hope dealer. Right? You too. So you got somebody in your life that's pushing, saying, come on, you can do more. You can make it. You can make it in the Lord. Remember, God is gracious. Remember, who is like our God? Come on. It's in the names of the story. What's the last one? Look at your notes. God is our help. God will help. That's a pusher. Now, how many of you know you need a puller, too? Right? These are the, the, the patriarchal and matriarchal relationships in our life. You remember Mama? Well, maybe Mama was the pusher. I don't know. But Mama would go, oh, come here, baby. I love you. And encourage you, right? And then, and then also say, wait till Dad comes home. Because Dad would discipline you and Mama would encourage you. How many of you know it takes both? We're in an incessantly, uh, chronically offended world today. Where everyone's offended by discipline. Don't push that on me. Listen, if it will, if it will cause you to make it through the fire so that you don't burn in hell for eternity, I'll push. 
right? But I don't want to just push. I want to encourage. I want you to have hope. I want you to know that God didn't set all this up for you not to make it. Yeah, yeah. So, a really corny story. Now, I'm going to call up Brother Mark. He's going to, he's going to share his ministry here in a minute. It's awesome. Really corny story. You ready for this? Three frogs. <laughs> it's already dumb. It's already dumb. Some of you are already checking out. You're putting your Bibles away, notes away. All right, we've heard as good as it's going to get. He's got this dumb story. <laughs> All right, these three frogs, they're hopping around in the backyard. Three of them together. And I don't know why, but they hop off the back steps of this porch, of this old farmhouse, and they land in a milk churn. Now, some of you, some of you youngins don't know what a milk churn is. You see, before they came around with the milk carton and the milk cart in kindergarten and the jungle juice, where you get chocolate or you get white, and you didn't get that in kindergarten, I'm showing my age. Before all that, they had milk churns. And in a milk churn, well, we'll get to that. They fall into this milk churn, and they're swimming, they're swimming, they're kicking, they're kicking. And one of the three frogs says this, I can't do it anymore. I just can't make it anymore. I'm going to die in here. One of, the, one of the frogs starts being a little bit of a pusher, a hope dealer. He says, you keep kicking, you keep swimming. And swim over there, get off of me. <laughs> Made that part up. That's not actually part of it. But if you're going to kick, don't kick me. Kick the milk. And the other one, he's an encourager. He says, come on, you can do it. You'll make it. Everybody just keep kicking. Everybody keep swimming. They don't know how it's going to end. But all three of them keep kicking, keep swimming. And after a little while, the milk starts to cream up. Now we're talking about cream, man. I'm... And it starts to get hardened a little bit. And now we're starting to get the makings of butter. And now we're going to have frog legs. That's it. <laughs> they all three jump out. Because, watch this. What God allows you to get into only brings out Christ in you, not the crisis. And if you'll stay long enough and trust your God and not serve idols and not bow to the God of your appetite, if you'll serve the God of your heart and your spirit, what you're going through won't have you, you'll have it. And the circumstances and the surroundings and the situation will begin to change because of the faith of God that is not only in you, but that is in agreement to the other two people that are in your lives. You need people. That's the reason why. Because what you're in will change. If you'll come together, just keep kicking. Just keep swimming. Brother Mark, come on. He's going to tell you about his new ministry. I hope I got a microphone that'll work. We'll see. Number three. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. How's everybody doing today? Good? 
So God is in the business of giving us new names, I believe. And as Pastor was talking about, one of my biggest pet peeves with uh, this modern-day recovery is there's this notion that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. And when you share at these groups, it's the norm that you identify with you're an addiction. So I would say, hi, my name's Mark, and I'm an addict. But as 2 Corinthians 5 says, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, for 10 years, I identified as Mark the addict. But one night, Jesus found me. I did not find him, but he found me, and I was set free. And now, I have the name Mark the Son. A year later, thank you, praise God. A year later, I became Mark a husband. Two months from now, I'll be Mark a father. Isn't Jesus good? Amen. So, the world tells you there's not freedom from this, but Jesus said, if any... Uh, Jesus says, who the Son says, free shall be free indeed. And that's what we believe here at One Step. And this is not me knocking the 12 steps. Uh, Pastor got us some recovery Bibles. And you know what I really love about them is they have the 12 steps in them. But in every step, it points back to Jesus. And that's the whole thinking behind calling it One Step, that in all 12 is one, Jesus. And um, there's freedom from this thing, man. If you're here this morning and you identify with your addiction, you need to break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. It is a lie from the devil, and he wants to use your own tongue against you to keep you in bondage. Because as long as you confess that you're an addict, that's all you'll ever be. But the moment you confess that you are free in the blood of Jesus, you shall be free. And I believe that. So <clears throat> we're going to be uh, meeting here Saturdays from like 7 to 8. Um, you know, I'm going to keep it real low key at first. You know, I don't want it to be something so serious. Uh, I know a lot of people in early recovery, they... They struggle with having fun in life again. So I want to have time where we read the Bible, we share, we pray with one another. But I also want to have some fun with you guys, too. Um, I'm thinking some nights we'll have game night, uh, bowling nights, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, and also, it's, it's not just for drug addiction. How many know that addiction is addiction? So whether it's food, uh, gambling, or maybe you're spending too much time on the wrong side of the Internet, you know? Uh, I've been there, and there's freedom from all of that, so... That's really it. That's all I have. Uh, I might hand the mic back to uh, Pastor. Thank you. Praise God. You, when I get to heaven, my arms are going to be as big as yours. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some guns, man. Okay, so, uh, hey, listen, would you just stand with me? Just stand with me. Um, here's how we're going to close in prayer today. We, we are going to confess that we're a new creation in Jesus Christ. That's, man, that's, that's, my, that's my heart song. I'm new in Jesus. And, 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 and that's what I want to be about. And, and not only for us, but listen, just this week, they busted a meth lab over on Larkins. Heard about it Wednesday night. Guess where all those people were the next day? Over at the parsonage at my house. Yeah. Yeah. So, say, well, pastor, better your house than mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but listen, uh, going to be people in this house that aren't going to look like you. 
and they won't. They'll be going through the fire. And, and I need you to do just what you've been doing, just what you've been taught to do by pastors before me, to love them. Teach them the word. Give them relationship. Go through it with them. You know, let God change their hearts. Amen? So let's confess that this is a church of freedom and that this is a free place and that people will be set free from our church. Amen? Can we lift our hands and let's give God praise. Father, we praise you. And we